You go. How, how are you? I'm doing good, and you? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, how's quarantine? You know what? Yeah. I'm an eternal optimist. Yes. But even an eternal optimist, at some point, you start to find it gets long. Yeah. You know. So I'm hanging in there, and I'm finding ways to connect with people like you to keep myself going. Yes. But I got to admit, I can imagine that some people probably feel that the isolation is just a little bit too long now. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. So what's the, in the background? What's those two hands? This is the, um, I, I often use these as props, actually. I actually stick them onto my walls, but they're actually the, uh, you know, the Michelangelo, the creation yeah. hands. And I sometimes yeah, yeah. just like to do this in videos. You know? oh, that's very cool. That's it's very like an cool. old, old school prop. <laughs> well, that's creativity. So I want to talk about that because you're an expert about cre creativity. So mm -hmm. uh, as your creativity grow during this quarantine or it has been slower, like less than before? That's a great question. Because one of my fundamental beliefs about creativity yes. is that a lot of people think you need a lot of resources to be creative. You know, you need to have fancy equipment. You need to have agencies helping you out. You need to have a creative director. But what I've learned is that the more you restrain resources, the yes. more you take things away, the more it forces us to be more creative. And so like, mm -hmm. I almost feel when you're stuck in a quarantine, you know, it forces you to find creative ways of, of either doing your daily work, but also, you know, it can force you to do some of the things that maybe you don't make time for. Yes. So I actually think, you know, I used to lead creative teams. Yeah. Uh, and now I help creative teams, but I used to be like leading the creative teams. And whenever those teams said, we need more money, we need more software, we need uh, more resources, and I gave it, creativity never increased. Yes. So it goes to show that creativity actually takes place here. And the more you res restrain resources and now we're kind of fixed, you can actually find opportunities to be more creative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because during this pandemic, pandemic, I see a lot of people staying at home, but they, they're trying to come up with interesting ideas. You see at home, they think yeah. that because we are at home, we're trying to just try to uh, not get bored. So we're trying to find some stuff to do and then we get creative. Yeah, well, there's that. That's one part of it. Yeah. And I think the other part of it is because there's this pandemic, people take the pressure off of having to be perfect. Yeah. Because they said, let me just try it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that gives people the courage to be creative and try stuff. And it's like, you know, we're in a pandemic. Give me a break. Like I tried this and it worked exactly. or it didn't work, you know? Exactly. So that can help too. Exactly. So when you say like when you go in businesses, you were saying that you go uh, with teams and everything. They always want more money. They always want more stuff, but they never get to the results. So even after this pandemic, do you think that businesses, especially big corporates, are going to try to be more flexible and more creativity or they're going to be stuck in the same ways? Well, the beauty, the other beauty, and I know that this, this pandemic shouldn't be described as something beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible for a lot of people and, and the families who have been affected. But I always see that there can be positivity and positive things that emerge even from chaos. 
Yeah. And I think what's interesting about the businesses that are used to doing their work the same way they've done it for forever, they have no choice but to be creative now. Because this new normal that everybody talks about is going to force us to find new ways, especially for those businesses that have suffered right now. As a result, they need to find what I call the most powerful weapon a business can have, which is creativity, innovation, and collaboration. Exactly. You know, and so I think they have no choice but to do this. I, I don't want to know what a business that decides they're not going to be creative from now on. I don't want to know what happens to them. It scares me, quite honestly. It is. It is. So when you you think when you're going to go back to uh, do consulting to those uh, corporations, are they going to be more willing to accept what you say and they want to say, yes, that's what we need? Or like, because this is having a big impact into business for real, like. Yeah. The funny thing is, I have never been busier oh, yeah. <laughs> than during this pandemic. And it's okay. because these businesses are reaching out to me, these corporations. And, you know, often it's leaders and CEOs and, and managers yes. that are reaching out because they want to find creative ways to do things right now. Yeah, exactly. So that they can plan for tomorrow, but today. So quite honestly, it's already begun. So yes. I do think that they're going to have a little bit more of um of a wider perspective and a bit more of an open mind as to how, because the problem with creativity is it's so misunderstood. Yeah. Exactly. And unfortunately, you know, when I do things like this, I love doing stuff like this, but people associate creativity to art. Yeah. And I really try to make businesses realize that it does not matter what discipline, what industry you're in, creativity can help you no matter what you're doing. And in fact, it's bad for business to ignore creativity. I'm hoping that people continue on this trend. Yeah. And you know, I have never heard the word creativity or human ingenuity come up more often than during this pandemic, you know, with people finding ways to even design face masks and then present them to the government as, you know, potential solutions. It's, it's, an, it's an incredible thing to see humans come together and actually brainstorm solutions to real problems that affect lives. Exactly, exactly. So what about technology? When you mix technology with all of that, with creativity, does it, does it help having those kind of tools like technology with us? Well, you know what? I like to see technology and, and, and creativity kind of almost go hand in hand. Yes. What I like is that we're using technology and some of it is working well and some of it isn't working well. And so at a first step, I hope that some of these technology based companies are getting the kind of into that mindset of what can we improve and how can we be more creative in what we're offering. But I really don't believe that technology comes down to the tool that you use. And so a lot of people think that like, you know, if I'm drawing and I'm using my creativity in an artistic way, that this is the tool that makes me creative. And then if I take this away, they say, well, this is the tool that makes me creative. And if yeah. I take this away, it's, it really comes down to this. Yes, exactly. And so the beauty is how do we explore these new technologies and maybe even some old ones in order to generate creative ways of working together, of communicating, of, you know, of collaborating, of brainstorming. Yes. And, uh, and so I do think that technology has a place. And if we put too much of our faith in technology alone and think that technology will take care of the creativity, then there's a problem. Yeah, that's it. Creativity is so human. It is, it is. When I was watching this guy in the back, you know, Elon Musk, yeah. 
Oh yeah, who's he? Who's he? I think I've heard of him. <laughs> this guy just came up, come up with ideas just like that. So yeah. I think there, there's some people that have that kind of mindset that always coming up with ideas. So can everyone have those kind of like, not like him, like him, I think he's a special, but you think people can just, okay, I have an idea. I have an idea. Does that, does that happen? So if we look at the research, if we look at the academic research, it will show you that creativity, even though there's some research that links it to genetics, to your DNA and how you were maybe, you know, your lineage of ancestors, it actually is something that we all possess. And in 2007, Baghetto and Kaufman came out with a theory that had the four C's of creativity, four different levels of creativity. And certainly all of us can achieve different levels of creativity. Okay. Now, when we look at Elon Musk, Elon Musk is basically at level, it's called, um, it's called, um, um, now I'm drawing a blank here. It's called Big C. I know okay. that doesn't sound very academic, but Big C for big creativity. Okay. And yeah. that basically means that you were able to use your creativity in a way to change something big, like change maybe the way humanity was doing something or to create innovative ideas that really truly transform the way we live. Okay. Now, the problem is, is that we sometimes, and I'm gonna compare us just, I'm gonna put everybody else together in the same pool. We compare our creativity to someone like Elon Musk and that actually crushes us. We yeah. feel bad because we're like, I'm never gonna be like this guy. But the truth is the other three levels and the, the first level starts directly at when you're a toddler they're all levels of creativity that you're going to go through your life in order to get to levels like Elon Musk, should you actually you know, continue along that path. Exactly. So we're creative. The minute, the minute you wake up in the morning, you're being creative because you have a routine or a ritual that you follow and you're deciding what clothes to wear. And there's a certain amount of creativity. And of course, then there are different levels. Like there's pro C, which is professional creativity, okay. which is when you've trained in something to build those creative skills. For example, you within the realm of podcasting, yes. you have, you've built those, you weren't born with those, you built your creativity in there. Exactly. So what's the most important for people to realize is that they don't have to be Elon Musk, but what little thing could you be creative at every day? Even in communication, even in the way that you're handling business, you know? Um, and it's important to have that reflection Otherwise, we just do things the same same way we are, we're most comfortable with. Exactly. And creativity yes. is supposed to make you a bit uncomfortable. It's supposed exactly. to take you into like a bit of a discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, I believe that any, any, any time there's always like, there's Elon Musk, there's Leonardo da Vinci, there's those kind yeah. of guys. I think every time in history, you always have those kind of guys. And like this guy, Elon Musk, for sure, we were, we we're going to talk about him in like 30 years, 50 years. So, but everyone has some kind of creativity inside of them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not magic. It's in us and it's as human as it gets. And that's a beautiful thing. I think Yes. this, this is why I don't worry too much about art, artificial intelligence. There's going to be a place for artificial intelligence, but artificial intelligence will never have the ability to be creative because in order to be creative, you need to be human and feel and experience. And exactly. a machine just can't do that. It can mimic, it can pretend to paint, it could do all these things. 
but it doesn't really truly know what it is to be human unless we get there. And I, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. So would you say that what we separate us from AI and humans will be the creativity that we, that was going to be the, the, the separation between machines and humans? You know what? I'm not an expert in AI. So from my perspective, what I can say is, I don't know if it's the only thing, but from my perspective, it's one of the main things. Yes. Years ago, I read this book called The End of Work. Yes. And it basically spoke about how, you know, most jobs would be replaced by mechanical, robotic-like solutions, maybe AI, except for jobs that require creativity. And if you look at all the reports that are coming out from governments, from the United Nations, from uh, global uh, advocacy agencies, they are saying that creativity is the skill of the 21st century. Exactly. Which is why I really just inject all of my passion into this one thing that I honestly think could solve all of humanity's issues. Yes. If we came together and used our collective creativity, we could solve all of humanity's issues. We're that, you know, <laughs> we're that capable yeah. uh, if we're open to creativity. It's the lack of creativity that gives us all of our problems. Exactly. That's what I think. So where does it come that passion for creativity, Stefano? Does it come from when you were younger or did it came? That's a great question. I don't remember a time in my life where creativity wasn't there for me. Okay. It's, I don't know what it is. I'm an only child and I don't know if that has something to do with it. I don't know if it's just that, that my, my environment, you know, there's always uh, nature versus nurture. I don't know if my environment, my upbringing allowed me to be more in touch with okay. creativity. And when you're young, your relationship with creativity is a simple relationship. You don't have issues. You're not embarrassed of your creativity. You just allow it to come out. Exactly. As you get older, you start to think about things and reasons as to maybe why you shouldn't be creative. And also, unfortunately, our educational system sometimes can suppress creativity and get us to conform more than to think outside of the box. And so for me, it's just something I, I never allowed myself to let go of. And I really feel like it's, it's, it defines who I am because I've made it my life's mission to make sure I'm actually a, a professional executive coach. Okay. So most people think I'm, I'm a creativity expert and, and to a certain degree, I'm an expert in my own creativity and that makes me in a position to help people. Yeah. But I always inject creativity into my coaching because I know just how much it can help. Exactly. Yes. And so that's why it's there. Like I wouldn't want to know who I am without it. I don't even want to explore <laughs> who Stepano is without this, because I, I consider it um, a central core of my being, you know, like it, it is really, it's me. And the beauty of it is, we've all got some of that in us, so we can share it and we can, ex we can exchange this incredible, you know, creativity that we have within that, us. You think that yeah. when we grow up, you see, it's the school system that suppresses creativity. Yeah. So why is that? Why is the school doesn't, doesn't allow us to be more creative? Because if you, if you grow with creativity, you can solve a lot of problems later on. Yeah, it, it's a great question. You know, there are people out there uh, like Seth Godin who have spoken about, you know, the origins of education and how it was really designed to get people to, you know, work in factories for the Industrial Revolution. And a part of that is true. You know, I think one of the reasons why creativity doesn't work is because it's misunderstood. And so if you look at the academic research again, because of course I dive into academic research a lot for this, it'll actually say that most teachers 
will admit that they understand more or less what creativity is. They value it in the classroom, but they also have negative perceptions of what creative students are. Yeah. Yeah, They think that, you know, creative students will not conform, will misbehave, will step out of line. And this (laughs) translates into a loss of control in the classroom. Yes. So that's how it kind of gets crushed. And, and you know it because, you know, when you're a child, you walk around and you ask all kinds of questions. Why is this like that? Why this? Why that? And that's curiosity. Yes. But when you get into school, the game becomes about answering questions. And usually it's, you know, uh, what plus, uh, usually it's, it's um, you know, 10 equals, well, actually, I'm getting this confused. Yeah. Usually we say five plus five is what? So we ask that kind of question and, you know, the students only have one possible answer, which isn't very creative. It's just the answer when in fact we should flip things and say blank or or, or 10 equals what plus what? And now what it does is it forces you to go back to the process of how you come to that answer. And there's millions of ways that we can actually come to the number 10. Yeah. But instead what we do is say five plus five equals what? Give me the answer. And creativity is never about finding the answer. It's about, okay, well, what else could we do? Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that's why the system kind of, I don't think it's always intentional. I don't think teachers intentionally want to drive creativity out of people. I think it just, by default, the way it's set up, it happens. Yes. And there's a comment here, trouble, troublemakers. Yeah, exactly. Well, troublemakers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the, there's um, an ad from Apple, 1980s, when yeah. the, one of the famous one, when he, the girl was running and then he land, he, he threw the armor to, uh, to, the, to the big brother. I don't know if you saw that one. I that, think so, that, yeah. The, w- w- yeah, but what I like about Apple, because that, when you were talking about it, I just got, got it in my mind is that, Steve Jobs always used creativity in his ads in Apple. Do you yeah. think more business should do like that? And because a lot of people business don't want to do that because they want to make money. So they think creativity doesn't make money. But Steve yeah. Jobs did it with Apple. Yeah, I mean, I worry about businesses that think creativity doesn't make money. And, and, and you can link creativity to other words like innovation, problem solving. But really... Um, the thing with, with, I think, what Apple was able to do, and I'm sure there's a million people that would argue well, it wasn't Steve Jobs that did that, but let's, admit, let's, let's see this as one entity. They were able to infuse creativity within their culture. Yeah. And they were able to basically infuse this kind of creative thinking in everything that they did and including their ads. Their ads are think differently. And the problem is, is that companies now want to mimic this company that has been infusing this in their DNA since the beginning of the company. And they want to just transform themselves into Apple. Yeah. And the hard part is there's a lot of work that goes into cultivating a creative culture. You can't just one day decide that you're going to be Steve Jobs because your culture may not be exactly within the same structure. And it doesn't have to be. You have to find the magic that makes your company work. And then you have to kind of introduce these kind of creative and innovative methods. But most of all, you need to make sure that the culture spreads through your organization so that everybody feels that they can take risks and that we can learn from mistakes and that we can push the envelope. 
You know, everybody says, think outside the box. And that's a great saying. Sure, I like it. Think outside the box. But what they forget to mention is that the truth is you're going to use everything that's inside your box to think differently. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't have to find everything externally. You know, you have to use your resources. And so I think it's a mindset thing that has to change in a company before they can, they can be an Apple. But certainly, they can start that right away. Like tomorrow, yeah. tonight, they that's can start, you know, how do we move towards that? But you're also, you know, when we're looking at Apple, we're looking at the final product, which, you know, again, it's like comparing yourself to Elon Musk. You know, you have to basically go through your levels of creativity at your pace within the context of your reality and your business so that you can get there. Yeah. And also there's another thing I, I want to add. You know, when a lot of kids, they, they, they say to their parents, I want to be an actor, a musician. I yeah. want to be an artist. Yeah, parents always say, they always say, no, that doesn't make money. So yeah. it seems like humans, they like creativity. They like people that do um, movies and everything. Yeah. But at the same time, it seems that they don't want their kids to be an actor. You know, see, because they always say, no, it yeah. doesn't make money. But after, when you see the restaurant, when you see the movie, when you see the, the music, you see, oh, wow. But there's yeah. like a, a, a sort of, sort of like, I don't want to. But after when they see it, oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Why is that re resistance? Well, you know what? That's a great question because my parents also, they weren't huge advocates of me exploring creative disciplines. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the problems is that, you know, the arts is so closely linked to creativity. But we have some common connections that we know. I mean, first of all, you yourself, I've seen what you do. You're creative. Jamie Benizri is creative. And someone would say, yeah, but... He's a lawyer. That's exactly precisely because yes, lawyers, and he's also an entrepreneur and he's done a million of other creative things, but don't you get it that it's not a discipline that defines it, but because there is such a powerful link with the arts, yeah. there's this old, there's this old mantra that, you know, uh, you'll be a starving artist. Yeah, that's it. And I think that stuck. That became yeah. part of the culture of certain generations. So they don't want their children to grow up starving like an artist but creativity goes beyond art you exactly. know and not to say that art, there's anything wrong with art i actually i i do to a certain degree consider myself an artist but we have to even go a little bit beyond the surface level of creativity and to me the surface level is what you can kind of quickly see and evaluate with your eyes and so i mean i'm working with execs here i'm not necessarily you know i'm not painting in a studio but I'm using very similar methods of thinking, you know, and to get basically progress and to boost teams, you know, and how they work together. And so I guess that's what it's all about. It's about really having a deep understanding of creativity. It's what most of my research is about. It's about really getting down to the semantics, the understanding of creativity in different disciplines so that it can be accessible to everybody. Yeah, people tend to associate artists like they don't do money yeah yeah that's awesome. you know whenever you're passionate about something sometimes you can you can maybe have to work on a little bit more of your business skills it's natural you know we have something that really drives us from the heart i always think you can learn a lot of those business skills um 
I think the, 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 there's always got to be balance in things. So, yeah. but you're right that the label of money, and if you're, if you're going to assess yourself as creative based on the money you're making, clearly it's going to be a difficult ride for you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but that's a good point about the, about this. The labels are powerful. I know that the loneliness coach, I know focuses a lot on labels <laughs> and yeah. honestly, labels are detrimental to creativity. Because exactly. if you if you walk around and tell yourself, my label is I am not creative, you're going to behave like you're not creative. So yeah. it can completely destroy um, your perspective on your abilities within that kind of realm, just because you labeled yourself. Exactly. You know? uh, what about the, I think, well, I think the internet has, has allowed people to move to be more creativity, to maybe some people hide behind the screen, say they stay anonymous, but they still create stuff. Usually when people ask me that, they ask me whether creativity, uh, whether the internet enhances creativity or, or hurts it. Mm. And I always talk about this idea of balance because for some people you are not really trying to be unique. You're mimicking what other people on the internet are doing. But to your point, and I like that you raised that for some people, maybe the anonymity gives them this ability to express yeah. themselves even more. It's yeah. almost kind of like, uh, you know, like Banksy, the urban artist. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows who he is or she is, I should say. We don't know. We don't know who it is, really. But maybe that there's a liberty that comes without having to feel judged, but by being able to create and put it out there. Exactly. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever thought of the internet that way. So yeah, I find that it's, it's an interesting. People create so they can, they, they hide behind the screen so they can share the, the stuff. And maybe they create another, another account is not a real name. So yeah. it's like, you remember when the, uh, people, when they were, they were writing books, a lot of authors, they are not, it's not the, the real name. That's right. Yeah, that's it. When they had they, like, a, I think they called it like a ghost writer name yeah, or that's something. That's it, that's it. So in the, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the 20th century, a lot of them, they were hiding with other names because they weren't allowed to write. So I think the internet is the same in a big way. So there's a lot yeah. of people that, are, that create a lot of stuff, but we don't know if it's really that person. So, yeah. Yeah. I would love to know if the people who start off by hiding under a veil of anonymity and creating eventually emerge and reveal themselves. I'd be curious to know if that's kind of a progression into like, you know, like they start off testing the waters, but then eventually, because I actually think, and of course I'm biased when it comes to this. I actually think people should be proud and, and, and be vulnerable and courageous because that's what creativity requires. Yes. And they should reveal who they are eventually to really, you know, just allow themselves. But I'm also making a judgment there. I can't speak for everybody. I'm sure some people feel comfortable kind of always remaining anonymous. Yeah. It, it makes me think of the band um, Daft Punk. Yeah, you know what, where they they're always covered yeah. with, with with helmets, so we don't truly know who they are. Yes, exactly. But the, like you say, some people stay. But I think it's also the judgment about other people. If people like the the the, the stuff, when we people we say, okay, I can't say who I am. But if people get bad comments, maybe they will say hi. So I think a lot about creativity is about the judgment. Will they like yeah. my stuff? Will they don't like my stuff? So yeah, that's also a big. A big factor. Very dangerous too, because now people are seeking for validation from yeah. the world, strangers. And I really think that if, since the beginning of time, people always look for validation for creative, creative outcomes, nothing creative would ever get made because we'd be terrified. 
You know, several months ago, I like to basically um, make art with cinnamon on top of my cappuccinos. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I always do something different. And I really am a huge fan of Salvador Dali. And so I made, I made uh, a Salvador Dali right okay. on top of my, 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 my mug. Okay. And I posted it. I posted it. And whatever. It got engagement. It got some likes. But the Dali Museum in the United States, I think they're in Florida. Uh-huh. They, you know, saw the image and wrote me and said, can we post this on our, on our page? And I said, absolutely. Go for it. Uh-huh. And what's interesting here, the point I'm trying to make is that on my page, let's say I got 100 likes. Okay. If I judge my work and what I just posted on those 100 likes, I'm like, okay. Some people liked it. I got 100 people to like it. When it went onto the Dali Museum page, it had thousands of likes. And so my point is the same artwork within maybe exposed to a community that is more open to like Dali work. They clearly seem to like it a lot more yes. than where I posted it. So it's dangerous to decide that you're going to allow those likes to determine the quality of your creativity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, because they have only the entourage or the entourage, I don't like it, but I, maybe there's me others that we say I like it. So yeah. Yeah. And imagine that, imagine most people in my community, and I'm not saying this is the case, they don't even know who Salvador Dali is. Yeah. It already will affect how they react to the very thing I'm showing them. So, you know, there's a lot of facets to this and you can't, you can't judge or be too harsh on yourself based on what others think. Exactly. So before we finish the, the live, I want to ask you about TikTok. Uh, I see you doing a lot of content and I think TikTok has a lot, a lot of people to be more creativity. It's a different platform than Instagram. You have to do uh, short videos and try to be in front of the camera. And as you go and explore TikTok, you can see that that's a lot of creativity from not only younger kids, but also like now we see a lot of uh, grow up people like adults trying to be creativity. You think yeah. that TikTok is a good platform to express your creativity? I love that you brought up TikTok because if there's one thing that I've tried during this quarantine, it's TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just from a purely exploration point of view, just to really try it out, I do think it's creative. I know some people think it's a whole bunch of children or teenagers just dancing. No, no. But you know what? If you really look at the platform, there are some really interesting tools that are very user-friendly and easy to basically learn how to use that you can spread your message in really interesting ways. Yes. So I definitely think that there's room for creativity there. Um, I've been having a whole lot of fun with it. If all you're doing is maybe, you know, mimicking a dance that maybe thousands of people have already done the exact same way and you just decide, okay, I'm going to do this dance now. And clearly it's not as creative as if you thought, okay, well, what's the message that I want to put out here and how am I going to tell that message? And that's where the real creativity comes to life when you actually have a purpose. And now you're thinking of ways of how to get that purpose basically out into this TikTok universe. Exactly. Well, thank you, Stefano. Thank you to all the people that watch. Thank you. The love is coach. He commented, uh, well, a lot of comment for you, so I really appreciate. Love that loneliness coach. Loneliness coach. <laughs> I know exactly who it is. If those of you are watching, you should check out the loneliness coach's page, actually. He's an incredible guy. I don't know if he wants me to reveal his, his name there, but anyways, Nathan. Oops, I said it. 
Thank you so much. Well, have yourself a good one. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Let's take creativity and we hope we can meet each other again. We absolutely will. Now we hope we will. And when is your podcast out? Yeah, you got to help me with you. You have to help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to listen to your podcast. All right, bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I greatly appreciate uh, if you can leave a review, a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, that would be appreciated. This will help grow the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, and see you on the next show.